The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Wow, just hearing the announcement, I could feel the vibrancy of the community. Uh, So welcome. Welcome joining us together here physically in IMC and also on YouTube. So knowing that we have a broader sangha all around. And I also uh, mentioned that the potluck welcomes everyone. Um, as it's us getting together to celebrate this significant occasion. And so if uh, you can, stay around and join us afterwards. So today, the topic I brought uh, with me uh, is the Buddhist teachings on the four uh, great elements, or five, and sometimes there's six. And so I'm just going to say elements, okay? <laughs> and um, this is, uh, in some way, it wasn't planned, but I was kind of just happened to follow uh, Kim Allen's uh, 7 a.m., this last week's uh, meditation around uh, the elements as well. And so uh, for those who didn't get the chance to participate in the 7 a.m., and I just offer a, a, a little uh, background on the uh, teachings of the element. And the four or five or six <laughs> elements are often known as the earth, water, fire, and air. And then sometimes the fifth would be the space. And sometimes the sixth is the consciousness. And today we're just mostly in the four and five territory. <laughs> First to four and five. And the, the a fire element is sometimes is translated as a heat element. So you see those words as well. And the air element uh, sometimes is translated as a wind wind element. So you may hear those uh, interchangeably. And these are the basic elements that uh, make up the world we live in, and the planet we live in, the earth underneath of us, and as well as this body. This body is made of this set of elements. And the different uh, spiritual and religious traditions often relate to uh, the set of elements in quite significant ways. Uh, you probably know this, and that the indigenous people are often called the stewards of the earth. They protect the earth, the land, like protecting our own bodies, our own lives. And so 2,600 years ago, um, in the Buddha's times, people also knew about these elements and there was some, some significance um, in the culture as well. And so I wanted to uh, share some teachings specifically from the Buddha about the elements. And I'd like to start uh, with the teaching that the Buddha offered to his son, Rahula. And for those who are interesting studying suttas, and this story is uh, documented in Majjhima Nikaya number 62, the Rahula Sutta. And it was said that um, 
And this teaching was offered to Rahula when uh, he was kind of a young adult, maybe late teens or early 20s. And uh, one day, uh, the Buddha got up in the morning uh, ready to go for alms round. And then so when he got up, then Rahula got up as well and then followed the Buddha uh, to go for alms, alms round. And so here they are. You know, the Buddha on the front, Rahula on the back, following him. And this is when uh, Rahula has been in the uh, monastic uh, community for more than probably a decade now. And so it was said that he was ordained as a young boy, seven-year-old boy. And kind of the, you know, the father brought him to the uh, monastic sangha, monastic community. And um, so here they are, and the Buddha walking in the front, and the leader of the community, the enlightened, the awakened being, and Rahula, the um, young, maybe handsome young man following the Buddha. And I get a sense that there may be a certain attitude. <laughs> Rahula was walking with behind the Buddha. And so the Buddha had a little sense. Maybe Rahula has some something <laughs> you know, going on. So the Buddha looked back and uh, said to Rahula, Rahula, you should truly see any kind of a form at all, past, future, or present, internal or external, coarse or fine, inferior or superior, far or near, all form with wise understanding. This is not mine. I am not this. This is not myself. And so I wanted to just pause and say a few words that I wasn't going to offer this teaching. This is a kind of a separate teaching altogether. But here, the form refers to the material aspects of our beings, you know, the material body and uh, the bones, the flesh, and the physicality of uh, our bodies. And so the Buddha said, I can, you should see all this, and that is not from the perspective of I, me, mine. And I get the sense that um, Rahula might have heard those teachings before. But he, he asked, only form? The Buddha went on, told the Rahula that, well, also don't take your feelings or your percep- perceptions, your mental fabrications, or even consciousness to be I, me, mine. And so this is known to be the five cleaning aggregates. It's not self-teaching, which I will not do today. <laughs> if you're interested some other time, or you know, can look, at, look it up. And, but this is the bridge of this story. Um, the Buddha may have had the sense that the Rahula is, was caught up a little bit by who he was and he was related to the Buddha, and who knows? You know, we don't really know, but the Buddha might have sensed something going on here. And what happened next uh, is that Rahula decided 
I am not going to go to the village for Opsiant. <laughs> so, so he thought, who would go to the village for alms today after being advised directly by the Buddha? <laughs> so, so human. So, you know, you're a teenager, you got a, a, advised by your parents. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I still can follow them around? Nope. No way. So, the Rahula turned back <laughs> and sat down and started meditating instead of going for the food. I smell protest. <laughs> and so uh, right then and there, um, and there's a, a great disciple of the Buddha, uh, Sariputta, Sarahula, and uh, uh, he told the Rahula that you should do mindfulness breathing because this practice offers a lot of benefit. And later in the evening, Rahula came out from the meditation and went to see the Buddha. Um, I guess he's got a question to ask. And, you know, he knew the Buddha would have the que- uh, Buddha would have the answer for him. And so he wasn't holding the grudge so much, and so um, he got up and went to uh, see the Buddha. And he asked the Buddha, how is it that mindfulness of breathing, when you practice it, there will be a lot of benefit? But the interesting thing about this, the Buddha didn't answer this question right away. Instead, the Buddha offered him the instructions on how to practice with the elements first. So the Buddha pointed out that in this body, there are earth elements. We can feel the earth, earth elements that are solid, hard, the bones, you know, our bones, our teeth, and hair, and it's our earth element right here in our bodies. And there's water element. You can feel the moisture or the uh, oil on the, on the hands and the fluid in the body. As I talk, I feel the saliva in the, ma- in the mouth. This is a water element. And there is air element. We breathe in and out, the movements. And there's a fire element. And so the Buddha offered teaching and, uh, in quite a lot of detail with all the examples of what this is in your experience, in the body, in the uh, elemental nature. And the Buddha end each of the instruction with a statement that the earth element is just earth element. The water element is just a water element. And the fire element is just a fire element. Air element, just earth, uh, just air element. The space element, just a space element. So what is the Buddha pointing to with this teaching? And seeing our meditation, we offered this uh, briefly and kind of really feeling and sensing uh, into our experience in this elemental way. The Buddha is teasing uh, this kind of 
And the concept of the body with all this elemental aspect of our being, which we can experience it directly here and now. And also, uh, the reason that the Buddha offered this teaching uh, is that the Buddha knows our mind very well. He knows how our mind works. So often, when we experience something that are quite immediate, raw, elemental, oftentimes our mind immediately will follow along with a different kind of reality, virtual reality. We may have a little moment that we feel some dryness on the skin. That's just a water element, just the dryness. The earth element, just earth element. The water element, just water element. We don't stop there. (laughs) You know what happens right away. Oh, I really should drink more water. I haven't been drinking so much water as I'm aging. That's not good for me. And I've been using this moisturizer for a while. It probably hasn't been working for a while. Maybe it's time to search around and see a better brand. There's a lot more, you know, I don't know, new ingredients and new technologies that are working. And next thing you know, we're in the Amazon land. (laughs) So that's how our mind works, you know, kind of. We slip off from this raw, raw, direct experience. And and I lump into kind of stories of our experience, about our experience. Sometimes it's not even about our experience anymore, but about something totally different. And that may be filled with desires, identifications, aversions. And so that's the, and that's the thing that uh, Buddha really knew very well how our mind works. And so um, often, uh, you know, what I'm telling in this particular example is quite a mild and benign version. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, uh, sometimes I can see that in my own mind the stories can be much more dramatic, you know, much more exciting or disappointing. And, and um, what's more is that often there can be a kind of a storyline underneath of it that I'm never good enough. I should be who somebody else. I should be something other than who I am, how I am. And so there can be this kind of a storyline running through this. And so by offering uh, this instruction um, to practice with the elements, the Buddha is offering us an opportunity to live more in line with the reality of our lived experience, and rather than in the virtual realities that we're constructing in our mind and heart. And so the earth element, just as earth element, not more complicated than that. Maybe that's what the young, young Rahula needed before he get to the instructions on mindfulness of breathing. 
maybe got caught up a little bit, you know, by who he was and how he looked and his identities. And so he needed some instruction to kind of drop out and those um, beliefs and ideas in the head and then drop more directly into the embodied experience. And this is the instruction that the Buddha also offered in Satipatthana Sutta, uh, which is one of the seminal texts in the Pali Canon that spoke about how the practitioners... um, uh, to pr- how the practitioner, uh, practitioners would practice in order to become free from suffering. And many of the Theravada uh, meditative practices are taught based on uh, this text, the Satipatthana. And uh, as a one of the mindfulness of the body instructions, um, that is this, and the practice of what the the elements. So it's not just Rahula uh, where, <laughs> you know, we may get caught um, by the stories of our experience. And it's common that uh, when our mind and heart are not trained, we tend to go into um, our stories and beliefs. So when we are in touch with the realities of uh, our bodies at the elementary level, we can begin to see our experience just as they are. And so some years ago, I had an experience in working with this particular practice. And so it was a period of time that I was um, practicing uh, this set of uh, elemental uh, element practice and some associated practice rather continuously uh, for a few weeks. And so one day I was uh, dropping my son off um, at his swim practice. And just right around the swimming pool, I saw all these little kids running around. And, and all of a sudden, there was thoughts came to my mind. Oh, this little girl is so cute. This one is a little clumsy. And I just, you know, all of a sudden I, I thought, oh, this thoughts is here. And then maybe just because uh, there was some continuity of the practice, and, and all of a sudden what I saw was all these kids turned into skeletons, the little skeletons running out <laughs> the swimming pool. <laughs> And immediately, I notice a contrast in my mind. That is, all those little preferences, likes and dislikes faded away. And that that moment was a powerful moment. I just realized, wow, this practice has a function. It has a potent function. It can kind of pull us out of the stories, the likes and dislikes and the the habit mind and highlight for us their presence and their absence. And so it was a really powerful moment uh, for me, recognizing, wow, this uh, practice really has some strong potency for us. 
And I was also quite humbled by it. And so, um, and the other thing I wanted to say is um, when this highlight um, is becomes available, what also becomes available is a sense of a choice. And that's the moment that we can choose. Can choose to follow the storyline, which probably usually not go um, that well. Or we could choose to drop into our immediate experience. And so that's another form of empowerment that this practice can offer. That when we pause, when we see things directly in the raw elemental way, we also begin to have choices. We can make wise choices. It may seem quite innocent uh, sometimes that we have this kind of thoughts, and and some may even seem harmless. After all, just kind of you know a few fleeting thoughts in the mind. Yet when we reflect deeper, our ideas, our beliefs about good and bad, inferior, superior beautiful, ugly. When those harden into beliefs, they bring such dividing forces in our societies. And so this practice um, offers something to take us out of that divide that can really separate ourselves from others. And so um, by practicing with this, uh, it has a, a direct impact in our own our well-being and also the world at large, the well-being of the world at large. And also I want to say that this example doesn't mean that we should flatten the life just by only seeing elements uh, after all, there is richness in life. In fact, I would like to say that by practicing with elements, there is much life, liveness and richness that can come forth through experiencing um, the ever-changing dynamic of uh, the elements. There is a dance of the elements right here in our being. Can you imagine that we don't have earth element here in the body? It'll be all floating around. (laughs) Without air element, we can't even live. And the air element animates us. That's how we can move, we can walk, we can run. Can even just lift our hand. That's air element in the body. And the water elements, this cohesiveness brings all of those elements together, like you know, the, uh, the water sprinkle on the flower to knead, knead the dough. It kind of brings it together into something that we can actually sit here with a sitting posture. <laughs> That's the water element holding us together. Otherwise, it'll just be dust, <laughs> sand here. 
And so there is all this dance and that the elements are working through us that bring aliveness and richness in our being. So through this practice, we can really get uh, deep in touch with this. And this is also to see that when we're experiencing uh, in this elemental way, we can also come to realize that this is nature. This is the nature of the nature, just like the mountain, the trees, the flowers, the earth we're on. This is our nature. This is the earth element resting on earth. And so there is a nature within us. There is a nature without, right around us. And so when we have this kind of a realization, um, our relationships with ourselves, and that is all around us, can begin to shift and change. If we care about this body, this being, we care about the beings all around. We care about the earth we stand on. Thich Han said this, The earth is you. You are the earth. When you realize there is no separation, you fall completely in love with this beautiful planet. At this very moment, the earth is above you, below you, all around you, and even inside you. I'm just going to pause for a moment. What's the feeling in your heart when you hear that? In the love letter Thich Nhat Hanh wrote to Earth, he says this, We often forget that the planet we're living on has given us all the elements that make up our bodies, the water in our flesh, our bones, and all the microscopic cells inside our bodies all come from the earth and are part of the earth. The earth is not just the environment we live in. We are the earth and we're always carrying her within us. Realizing this, we can see that the earth is truly alive. We are a living, breathing manifestations of this beautiful and generous planet. Knowing this, we can begin to transform our relationship to the earth we can begin to walk differently and to care for her differently. And I would like to extend this even further. Besides the earth underneath of us, all of us, other beings, 
ourselves, our nature. Animals, animated, inanimated, all beings, all things. We live in a network of connectedness. We can't live without them. Just as how we may transform our relationship with the planet, maybe this practice offers a potential and a possibility in how we relate to each other, relate to ourselves, relate to all beings. In this way, we can go beyond the self-centeredness. And this is what the Buddha offered to Rahula. And this should be seen with a wise understanding that this is not mine. I am not this. This is not myself. And instead, we extend our heart and mind with boundless, boundless love, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And that's what the Buddha instructed the Rahula. Maybe by dropping away the sense of I, me, mine, the heart can open. And so following the element instruction, the Buddha taught Rahula to meditate with love, meditate with compassion, meditate with joy, and meditate with equanimity. And so the heart is ready. The element practice sets a stage for our heart to open and to welcome all beings everywhere. So may this teaching offer this possibility to all of us and to live with the reality of our own nature and to love and care for all beings everywhere. So thank you, everyone. So we have a few minutes. Um, If there are any questions, comments, reflections that you may have, you're welcome. Um, I can't remember if I read uh, Middle-length Discourse number 62 before or not. So, uh, uh, but now I want to uh, read it or go back and read it as soon as I have <laughs> an opportunity at the time. Uh, I also uh, wanted to say that, uh, like I think everyone here, I was really delighted by um, the image you brought up of looking around and seeing everyone as skeletons. <laughs> Whenever, and I, I don't know if I can be detached enough whenever I'm noticing I have a preference or you know a like or dislike towards someone to look at them that way. I don't know if I can be that detached. But So what I do instead 
if I remember to, is to look on other people, um, especially if I'm noticing a preference or dispreference and seeing a, a fellow sufferer. Uh, that's what works for me. Beautiful, beautiful. So there are ways that we can shift our perceptions in a way that is supportive for uh, cultivation of a wholesome, in wholesomeness in our mind and heart. So there are many ways that we can see that um, can be supportive. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Someone in the back? Okay. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing your story. There's a camera oh, right sorry. behind you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you share that... Uh, before you went to the swimming pool with your son, you saw the skeletons. And before that, you had weeks of um, practice. I'm just curious about what kind of practice you were doing for weeks. Was it just like meditation, like all day, yeah. every day? Or, yeah. yeah, so so it was uh, as part of a course I was taking and that um, this set of element practices were part of and uh, seeing things in these different ways are part of the practice. And so I was uh, quite consciously kind of practicing just um, wherever uh, I was um, around and doing things. And in this particular moment, I think it was just a natural momentum of the practice came alive. I wasn't intentionally trying to do anything, but just came alive. It's like, oh, wow, there's this way of seeing. And then they highlighted something. And so um, it could be sometimes uh, uh, people do, uh, you know, uh, seeing something as a skeleton, uh, as an explicit practice. Um, but I, I think for me, it was really working with the elements, and somehow that just arose. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? This one over there. I don't think I need the mic. Oh, we, have, we do for the YouTube. For okay, YouTube, excuse me. All right. Hello, YouTube. Um, I really enjoyed what you had to share today, and I wanted to share uh, an experience that I'm having that is related, just because it so reflects the importance of our honoring um, Mother Earth, each other, the elements. It feels minimizing to say elements, but Mm -hmm. even so. Um, I have begun working with a beautiful team of women who are doing something called surf therapy. At some point I will be posting something here. And the focus of it is uh, being in the ocean, being near the water, and that connection, the ways that it heals us, the ways that it lightens us, all the magic that goes on there. Um, And so the timeliness of connecting this to my practice, I appreciate very, very much. Mm-hmm. And just the reminder to all of us that we can live it. Yes. Go out and live it and feed it and nourish it. Um, and I yeah. think that that's one way to sustain and ride the waves of life, too. Yes. So beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that reflection. 
And what you brought to me was also sometimes just working in the garden and kitchen, kind of touch the water, the earth, and really can kind of shift and change on our heart and mind. And so sometimes I just go, you know, get a handful of dirt in my hand, <laughs> feel the earth. So, yeah, lots of the simple ways for us to keep um, connected with this. So maybe that's enough. And um, those who can and join us uh, right after this, have a potluck or just hang around together uh, as a community. And so may you have a wonderful rest of the day. And be well.